Outside the Tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. That's Joe. I, I'm here. I'm here again. I keep showing up. I know. Like a piece of luggage you can't get rid of. <laughs> Every morning I have that same thought. Yeah. No, no, no. We're having, are we having fun? I, you know, I think so. Some days are better than others, but that's entrepreneurial life, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got that right. So here's the deal. Uh, we got Dimitri Love with Bundle, uh, season 10, episode three. Uh, this was back in October of 2018, and I, I bring that up because this idea may seem like, oh, yeah, well, it's kind of common sense. But remember, this is three years ago. Yeah. So this was, you know, the, the idea of cryptocurrency, uh, it was a little less mainstream, if you will. Yeah. So obviously, a lot's happened, and, and we'll get into all that during the interview. But Dimitri comes in with an idea for Bundle. Uh, he's asking $100,000 for 10%. And essentially, what he wants is he wants you to get this Bundle app. He wants you to take your spare change, and he wants you to buy cryptocurrency. Think like Bitcoin. Okay, he's charging three dollars a month or twenty-four dollars a year. So, asking for you know something, it's not free to use, obviously. Um, and you know, again, it's a a really kind of out there concept at the time um, for people. But one shark got it because he was really ingrained in the financial industry. Yeah, uh, four of the sharks uh, tapped out pretty quickly: Jamie, um, Mark Cuban, Damon, and Lori. Um, that. I think that Damon uh, mentioned that it was like the wild, wild west. Uh, they didn't get it. They weren't ready for it. Again, very, very early in the evolution of Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. But Mr. Wonderful offered $100,000 for 50% of the uh, company, and that was the offer that was accepted. So spare change, buying crypto, sound, sounded crazy three years ago, doesn't sound so crazy today. My wife and I are bundle customers. I heard, I heard. <laughs> and, you know, the ironic part is, is if in 2018, if you would have downloaded the app while you were watching the show and started putting your spare change into it, what would happen? Right? So I wouldn't be standing here dealing with your crap, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're not here because you have to be. You're here because you want to be. I know. No, we, we're building a great business together, and, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but this is, a, a, again, yeah. a great story. Let's get into it. Right, we are here with Dimitri Love of Bundle, season ten, episode three, air date of ten twenty one eighteen. You walked out of there with a deal, but Damon has tears coming out of his eyes because he said you looked miserable. <laughs> so, were you happy or were you miserable? Uh, I was actually pretty excited. I was more uh, interested in the interactions. Um, you know, what a lot of people don't know is I was actually up there for a couple of hours. So a lot of things transpired during those couple of hours. 
Well, start at the beginning. Where did you come up with the idea? What's your background? Uh, really curious to hear the whole version, you know, the long version of, of the business. Sure. Yeah. So I have a background in uh, software engineering, um, UI, UX design and development. Um, and I really kind of translated that into creating awesome experiences uh, in a multitude of ways. Uh, one of which came from my mother. My mother uh, back in 2017 was trying to buy some Bitcoin on Coinbase, um, which I thought was, you know, a fairly fantastic user experience at the time. Um, and she came back a couple hours la uh, later saying that she couldn't figure it out. Um, she didn't know how to connect her bank account. She didn't know how to make purchases. She didn't know what a wallet was. Um, you know, she was looking for guidance in that. And I was like, okay, you know, there has to be a better way to do this. Um, I started researching different investment methods, came across uh, dollar cost averaging, came across acorns. Um, and I thought surely there has to be an acorns for crypto. I mean, why wouldn't there be? Um, and lo and behold, the market was wide open. No one had created that platform at all. Um, and I took the opportunity. I saw it was something that would benefit users in the long run um, and increase, you know, mass adoption for cryptocurrency as a whole. Um, so I said, why not? And started building it. So tell us about the deal. Um, did it end up going through with Kevin? What's it been like being a partner with him? Yeah, so I actually turned it down. Um, so, you know, 50% is a lot. Um, and we asked for some specific parameters, one of which being uh, if we raise another fundraising round um, afterwards, uh, would he be willing to dilute? Um, and additionally, uh, if you would provide, if that isn't the case, would you provide some more capital so that we have an actual runway and we can actual, actually survive as a company? Um, those are two things that he couldn't commit to. Um, so we did not end up closing that deal. Um, I'm sure you know by now about 88% of the deals on Shark Tank don't close. So it's, right. it's kind of normal. But um, I actually do still have a line open with him. Um, you know, his team is super friendly. Uh, he himself is super friendly. Um, you know, he's been back and forth on how he feels about cryptocurrency. But uh, I do have some open communication with him. I keep them up to date on how Bundle's doing. Yeah, there were some interesting um, attitudes and mindsets uh, in the edit, at least, in what was aired relevant to cryptocurrency. Just a little bit of this going on, like, well, it's, you know, it's a wild, wild west. It's too early. I don't know where I sit on it. So just a lot of uh, fear relevant to uh, cryptocurrency. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think that's the sentiment now, as you see large institutions purchasing billions of dollars, you know, on a daily basis at this point. Um, you know, back then, crypto was still really new. Um, it was a concept that um, scared a lot of institutions, I think. Um, and I think now um, institutions are coming on board, seeing the value of a decentralized currency, seeing the value of blockchain, um, you know, just generally seeing the value of different types of crypto. So um, it's, it's been really awesome to see um, the dynamic, you know, back when I aired on Shark Tank is so, so different. Um, today, you know, uh, if you go to companies like JP Morgan, um, Tesla, who just bought, you know, $1.5 billion, um, you know, the sentiment is different. If you say Bitcoin, people aren't scared and throw up their hands and run away from you. They, they ask you, or, well, you know, what do you know? What, what, what am I supposed to do? How do I do it? Um, and that's really why we built Bundle. Uh, we want to guide users that don't have 
that kind of institutional knowledge, that financial background um, to be able to invest in a volatile asset like that. I mean, I remember a few years ago, not, you know, not long after or maybe slightly before you aired and, you know, you'd bring up Bitcoin at a cocktail party and people looked at you like you were a freak. You know, like you had some crazy, it's like, you know, now obviously with all these large institutions and the Elon Musk's of the world, it's certainly, it's amazing how quickly the sentiment has changed. Uh, So, so walk us through what happened those first couple days after you aired. Did you get a bunch of signups? Did people start coming out of the woodwork that wanted to talk to you? What was that like for you? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, Not many people ask me that. Um, One thing that's super interesting about television these days, um, and we learned very quickly, is, uh, you know, the brand awareness that comes from Shark Tank and the, the, you know, initial push of visibility um, is actually staggered out uh, quite a bit. Um, So people with TiVos, DVRs, um, Hulu, uh, people that watch episodes in different ways and don't actually watch the live episode. Um, tend to trickle in, you know, over the course of time. Um, so we really saw um, not a huge jump the the first few days. Um, you know, we got a couple thousand users the first two days, um, but then the weeks after we started really blowing up. And by the second month, I mean, we were onboarding about 10,000 users a month. Um, and it was absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and taught us a lot, taught us a lot about TV, taught us a lot about our platform. Um, super thankful for that, um, especially because we didn't have service crash. Um, we were able to uh, kind of patch things as they go and really identify, you know, weak points in our system um, and be able to, you know, put our engineers to be able to fix those problems. So it was, it was a very gracious waterfall, I will say. <laughs> How has your business model changed since then? I mean, at the time of airing, $3 a month, $24 a year, we'll take the spare change and, and buy you crypto with it. Is that still the playbook or have things changed for you in the business? Sure. Yeah. So most of it's pretty much the same. Um, we've actually changed our model a little bit. So uh, we moved away from Coinbase. Um, we have uh, an exclusive partner, uh, Wire. I love telling people about them. They've been really awesome to us. Um, they power uh, pretty much all of our liquidity. Um, and they really allow us to bring the best value proposition to our users. So now we charge a flat $5 a month. Uh, there's no yearly, there's no, uh, uh, fluctuation in monthly fees. It's just that flat $5. Um, and that allows us to keep our transaction rates, uh, the lowest on the market. Um, so 2% transaction rates, no matter how much you buy. Um, and it also allows us to do really cool things. Uh, like for example, the end of this quarter, we're releasing a feature where users will be able to earn uh, 5% APY on their money, uh, no matter how much they have in there. Um, which is awesome. You know, we're able to provide, you know, fantastic features like that with wire. Um, and our goal is to keep the model around that $5 a month and be able to provide all sorts of, uh, different value propositions. Um, two of which I just explained one of which, uh, our users actually asked us for, uh, where they can transfer their cryptocurrency off to another wallet or off, uh, you know, to some other exchange if they want to. So we built that built out that functionality for them as well. How important is user feedback for you and, and how do you gather it? <laughs> uh, I don't mean to chuckle. That's just a, a very funny question in regards to, you know, how, how we've been processing that lately. Uh, it's extremely important. 
Um, and we, we've gotten roasted a little bit at times. Uh, you know, some of the reviews on the app store tend to tend to reflect some bad experiences, but we love that. Um, you know, it tells us exactly what's wrong. Um, it tells us how people are experiencing our app, it tells us what to fix, uh, how to fix it. Um, and when you're building something at this scale, um, with a pioneering technology, doing something that no one else has done before, um, users telling us exactly what's wrong and exactly what's happening is just immeasurably invaluable. I, I, I could not tell you how good it is um, because instead of us having to, you know, do focus groups, uh, bring people together and say, hey, you know, run through this app for 20 hours and tell me what's wrong. You know, we have live feedback. You know, we have a rolling uh, subset of thousands of, of beta users that can tell us, hey, we need this or, hey, this is broken or, hey, this kind of sucks. Um, and it allows us to iterate quickly and, and make improvements, you know, on a rolling basis. Uh, Dimitri, uh, Kevin had taken a shot at, I think he mentioned that most apps fail inside of uh, 36 months and he took a direct shot at your customer uh, acquisition costs, mm -hmm. citing that most don't get it below the lifetime value of the customer. Tell us how that's shaken out over the years and, and what you've learned about those two critical Factors. Really good question. Um, so first of all, we learned that uh, our lifetime value is massive. Um, not only can we monetize by charging the monthly fee, um, but we're able to make a little bit on transactions and monetize on our assets under management. So the lifetime value of our user is quite a bit. Um, you know, I can't necessarily tell you what that is just yet because um, we're still figuring that out, but it's way more than what it costs us to provide the service. Um, one of the things that we learned pretty quickly is customer acquisition costs, uh, really depends on the channel. Um, so we have a really large brand awareness. Um, so we have, uh, a pool of organic users coming to the app and signing up without us even marketing. Um, so that puts our customer acquisition costs uh, ahead of most competitors. Um, additionally with our marketing team, uh, we figured out, uh, how to run ads expertly, um, how to acquire users through different channels, um, and it keeps our customer acquisition extremely low. Um, I don't anticipate hitting the numbers that, you know, Kevin and I were chatting about during that time until we reach, you know, 5 million users, maybe. Um, I think we can keep our CAC below $20 pretty much forever. Um, you know, our value proposition is so good. Um, you know, once we explain what the app does, how it works, how cheap it is, how much of a benefit it is, um, explaining how, you know, for example, the other day we found out one of our uh, early users put in, uh, I think it was $450 and it's turned into like $6,000 over the course of a year and a half. So, you know, explaining stories like that and explaining how dollar cost average, uh, dollar cost averaging can mitigate that volatility and, and provide such a large value to uh, uh, retail investors. I mean, there's no, there's no convincing people to use the app. Once it's in front of them, typically people want to sign up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned you guys have figured digital marketing out, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure um, how many people actually can say that digital marketing is not easy. I'm just curious, what was the path? What was the, the time element? What were some of the frustrations in getting your marketing figured out to the extent that you have it? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And so first of all, these are actually really, really good questions. So, you know, I, I love that, you know, I, I love explaining this stuff. Um, so one of the challenges that we ran into is uh, regulatory issues. 
Um, so Facebook, Google, and you know, I guess Instagram, which is rolled into Facebook, uh, they're very particular on cryptocurrency companies. Um, so you have to be regulated and registered at minimum with FinCEN. Um, they like to see, you know, FINRA registration. They like to see some type of, you know, verifiable, hey, you know, the SEC is looking at you and validating what you're doing as a financial services business um, if you're offering cryptocurrency. Um, so that's one big thing uh, that is pretty hard to figure out. Um, the second thing is Facebook, Google, and Instagram are not the only channels to market. Um, not only have we found success in hundreds of other channels uh, to, to do kind of pay-per-click marketing, um, but we've also seen a lot of traction with different influencers. Uh, we're running marketing campaigns with uh, different uh, gaming influencers, actually. Um, in the Call of Duty world, uh, a lot of we found a lot of our demographic loves to play video games, just like the team at Bundle. Um, so we found some, a lot of success there actually. Um, and yeah, you know, our digital marketing kind of spans across multiple disciplines. It's not just, you know, pay-per-click marketing. Um, so, you know, and we have a, we have a little bit of a secret sauce on how we make that work for us. Um, I can't necessarily say the things that we do would work for other companies just because, you know, value propositions are different. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to, to figure that out on a, on a company basis, but um, for Bundle, we've done a really, really good job. Well, I think that's an interesting lesson. I mean, you've identified some hobbies or characteristics of your target market and then figured out a way to get to them. I mean, video games of an, you know, Call of Duty, it has nothing to do with what you're doing, <laughs> yet you've obviously been able to connect the dots and and gone about it that way which i think is really interesting yeah that's a persona that uh loves bundle and it takes time to figure that out and most people don't get there most people run out of runway before they figure that out sure yeah yeah so you got on shark tank super early in your business i mean i gosh you know we've we've obviously watched a lot of these pitches now and talked to a lot of people i mean you were really amongst the earliest so how did you either get approached by the show or reach out to them? Good question. I was approached. Um, I, did not, uh, I did not apply or go through any casting calls. Um, you know, the typical process, you'll go to a casting call, you'll pitch a couple times, go to another casting call, pitch another couple times, um, and then you'll get reached out to, you know, by the selection team uh, as a finalist. Uh, for us, you know, we were two weeks before the deadline. We were approached by a producer. Uh, he found me on LinkedIn. Um, and that producer told me, hey, you know, we love your value proposition. We love that we can understand what you're doing. Um, we love that we can show some type of cryptocurrency app to the people and they will easily consume it and understand it. We want you on the show. Um, and once I said yes, it was just a race to get everything done. We had to go through the same application process. Um, they make you do a, uh, a video to make sure that you're TV ready. Um, and we had to do all of that within two weeks. Um, and once we sent that over, uh, it was expedited straight to the table of ABC and Sony. Uh, they made their decision and we were filming by June. So that all happened within the span of two months. So as you look at the next, you know, 12 to 18 months for the business, as the, you know, the strategist of all of this, what are you really focused on and, and what's the growth strategy look like? What can you share with us? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm glad you worded it like that because there are some things I can't share, but uh, 
As far as what we're planning to do, we're in hyper growth mode right now. Um, acquiring users is the name of the game. Um, we built out an amazing system. We're extremely, extremely far ahead and we're making it better every single day. Um, so now we're starting to capitalize on that. We're starting to get people onboarded. Um, we're able to support them. Uh, you know, we're able to, you know, handle any issues that may come up, um, without having to rely on third parties, which is a huge, huge thing. Um, and we've gotten our costs, you know, extremely low. So now that we can, uh, uh, churn over, uh, you know, our revenue and start growing and release different features over the next 12 to 18 months to continue growing. Um, and then I cannot tell you which asset classes, but we are branching out into other asset classes. I'll tell you that. Um, we are, we're looking to apply our model and apply our technology, um, to more than just cryptocurrency. Um, we love crypto. It's amazing. Um, it's going to be a big core of what bundle is. Uh, but we really want to provide more value to our users. We want to say, Hey, you know, we want to diversify your portfolio. We want you to come to us for your investment needs, you know, over the next decade. Um, you know, we don't want to just say, Hey, you know, we're, we're the starting point. We're the entry point. We're the on-ramp for one asset class. You know, we want to turn into a, a true financial services business. Um, to support our users and the groundwork that we've laid has us in a really good position to do that. So with all the chaos around the GameStop, Reddit, AMC, <laughs> is that a massive opportunity for you or is that something that really was unrelated? Um, I've got my own opinions on that situation. Um, as far me, as our I'll say this, to me, it would make me more likely to trust you and want to work with your platform. And, and it sounds like the direction sure. you're going. Sure. I will say that we saw a spike in user growth, uh, the day that Robinhood decided to, you know, shut off certain trades. Um, you know, I, I can't explain why, um, it's kind of up to the sentiment of those people who had their trades shut off. You know, they felt some type of way about that. Uh, so they started looking for alternatives. Um, and there are actually surprisingly few alternatives to reliably transact with crypto easily. Um, you know, not a lot of people have built out, you know, fairly seamless UX uh, to be able to do that. Um, so we just happened to be one of them that people started going to. Um, I have some friends in the market with other companies, some of them that are competing, who also had large uh, acquisitions during that time as well. Um, and still so. Um, so I think really it was more of a, it was more of a visibility on, Hey, there are other platforms that can offer crypto. Um, there are other platforms that can offer fractional shares. There are other platforms that can offer, you know, stocks and trading and options. You know, what are they, where are they, who are they? So you, you, you talked a lot about customer acquisition cost and, and really acquiring customers being important for the growth of the business. Are there any other metrics that you look at that are important? Do you pay close attention to retention, user engagement? What are some of the other, you know, key performance metrics that, that you're looking at? Yeah. So um, KPIs, we typically look for, um, they vary from business to business. Um, I will say some of the main ones that are super important for any, you know, software as a service, consumer-based business, um, would be churn. 
how many people are leaving your platform every month? You know, if someone is coming to sign up, uh, are you keeping them? Um, are people staying? Uh, you know, are you really squeezing out that lifetime value for your customer um, or from your customer? Um, so that's one that we really, really focus on because we, we don't want to just provide a platform and shove as many people into it as possible and make money. You know, we want to provide an amazing platform and make sure that every single person that comes to us uh, will stay with us and make sure that they have a great experience. They're supported. They are uh, having a good time, you know, using our system. Um, I would say that's one of the big ones that we look for um, in regards to KPIs. Um, there are a few other things that don't necessarily matter for other businesses that, you know, wouldn't be applicable here. Um, but I would say churn is the big one that I would talk about because that's, that's pretty much the lifeblood of any consumer-based business. Um, if you're onboarding users, cool, but are you keeping them? You can onboard 400,000 users a day and then lose, you know, 450,000 users a day. Um, so you really, you really want to plug up those leaks in regards to uh, uh, user acquisition. You know, you, and this is, a, this is a compliment, but you come across a lot different now as you talk about the business than you did on the show because it was so new and so early. You know, you've clearly grown 20 years as an entrepreneur in a couple of years. What do you attribute that to? You know, how have you been able to grow and mature um, as an entrepreneur at the rate that you have? Uh, really by attrition. Um, once you're kind of thrown into it, especially at the scale that I was, I mean, I went from, you know, zero MVP, you know, hey, I have an idea that, you know, I've got a little bit of validation behind to, you know, tens and tens of thousands of people like looking at me and using my system and, and, you know, venture capitalists pumping money into my company and, you know, all of these people guiding me and helping me you know, get to the point that I am. So, you know, I wouldn't say that it's all me at all. It's just, I was thrown into an ecosystem of wildly talented people that have done this before. And I was really able to uh, learn by osmosis, I guess, since I was thrown in there. Any, any major or, you know, interesting lessons that you'd want to share with uh, the entrepreneurs that are listening? Yeah. Um, Persistence, tenacity, and vigor are two things that I think about all the time. Um, it's one thing to know when to stop. Um, and it's one thing to know when to keep going. And balancing that is extremely difficult as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. There were times in the early stages of Bundle where I didn't want to keep going. I wanted to quit. Um, it didn't really make sense. I didn't have the capital I needed. I didn't have... Uh, the resources I needed, the team I needed um, to really execute the vision in a, in a way that had some sort of, you know, good amount of efficacy. Um, but persisting through that and saying, no, like, I will figure this out. I'll, I'll do it myself if I have to. Um, I'll sell the crap out of it and make sure that everybody knows exactly what I'm doing, exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, and being able to push through that is probably the biggest thing for any entrepreneur um, because not a lot of people talk about how hard it gets. Oh, everyone talks about, oh, we're doing awesome. You know, we're raising multi-million dollar rounds and we're, you know, acquiring this many millions of users. Like we're great, but nobody talks about, you know, the, the grind, the, the, the fails, 
um, you know, the setbacks that happen along that journey. Um, and it's, it's really important to not only analyze, but learn from those failures and persist through them. Because if you get consumed by them, you'll stop. Um, if you learn from them, you'll succeed. Um, and that's really where I found my success. Yeah, this thing is an emotional roller coaster on a on a good day. On a bad day, it's like hitting a brick wall. So that is great advice. I'm curious, you walked out of the Shark Tank experience ultimately without a deal, but you have raised some money and funded the business. What can you share with other entrepreneurs about what you've learned as you've raised money? Sure. Um, I can't say it's been easy. Um, you know, Raising money as a black entrepreneur is a little difficult, I've found. Um, but I will say, uh, if you can show a clear path um, to, you know, not only a, a large amount of financial income in the future, um, you know, in your projections, um, and show, hey, we know exactly how to get there. We know how to get to $100 million in revenue. We know how to get to a billion dollars in revenue. Here's exactly how we're going to do it. Um, and then laying out that plan, almost any investor is going to be interested in that. Um, you know, there are some investors, some that, you know, we look for, we tend to look for investors that have more value than just money. Um, but oftentimes, you know, in, investing is a business. Investors want to know, Hey, if I give you this money, how am I going to get it back? And how much is it going to turn into? Um, and really understanding that and being able to talk to them in that regard is extremely important. Um, not a lot of people want to admit that. Um, you know, venture capital is a business. I mean, they're investing their money to make money and it, you have to understand that and be able to talk to them about that. Um, just selling them a dream or selling them on why you're the best entrepreneur to invest, to be invested in doesn't always work. Sometimes it does. Um, and if you want to, you know, spend the time to grind it out and find those investors that actually care about who's running the business, um, and, and the background of the people that are, you know, that your team is comprised of, um, then great, you know, that's awesome. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta take both, you know, you gotta take entrepreneur, uh, venture capitalists that, Hey, I just want my money back. I want to make some money. How are you going to do it? How's it going to happen? Um, so really understanding both of those sides and different types of investors is, is extremely important, I would say. But it sounds like you've done a great job in figuring out how to not only have a big vision, a, a great dream of where you want to take bundle, but you've done a great job in figuring out how to articulate that well. So, in, you know, sure. the aha moment goes off, right? Sure. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've, I spent a lot of time being able to learn how to explain uh, a bundle in a way that makes sense. Um, yeah. you know, pioneering something that's never been done. I, I, especially in the financial services space, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a journey. I've had to figure out exactly how to explain, you know, what I'm doing. I've had to learn a discipline that I didn't even study in school and wasn't exposed to until two years ago. Um, so I've really had to cram in 10 years of knowledge within a short amount of time just to be able to be on par with some of these people that, you know, understand financial services, you know, understand, you know, things like the SEC and, and FINRA and, uh, series seven licenses and things that you need to be able to operate as a financial services business. So as we, as we wrap this up, I, you know, I want to go way out 10 years from now. What are you, what are you doing? What's, what's life look like for you? What's the dream? What happened to the business? 
10 years from now, Bundle will be the pinnacle company where people can come and onboard their entire portfolio easily without any issues. And they'll be able to invest into multiple asset classes automatically. They'll be able to plan for their retirement. They'll be able to, be able to learn how important investing is for their livelihood um, and for their future. Um, and I do not expect Bundle to go anywhere, actually. Um, I don't expect us to exit. I don't expect us to be bought out. I expect us to be uh, a formidable company in this space. Um, and I'll be doing the exact same thing. I'll be telling people, hey, this is why I built this. This is the dream. I want to bring as many people to financial prosperity as I possibly can. This is the user experience that I built to do that. Um, and this is how we've refined it over the years. So um, in 10 years, hopefully I'll be doing the exact same thing as long as I am healthy and alive. <laughs> is there a is there a certain you know you don't have to talk in detail about the person but is there a type of person that you have gained the most satisfaction out of helping? No, um, that's actually a really good question. I haven't been asked that before. Um, no, I, I think the satisfaction comes from helping all types of people. Um, people are in all different walks of life, all different types of investment journeys. You know, some people have multi-million dollar portfolios and don't know anything about cryptocurrency and want to try it out and, you know, make huge purchases on our app. Uh, some people have never invested a dime into anything. Um, and they're like, Hey, you know, I, I don't really have much money. Is this a way to invest, you know, kind of passively? Sure it is. Um, so, you know, our, our user experience applies to multiple different types of personalities, multiple different walks of life, uh, multiple different levels of finance. Um, and that's where, that's where the joy comes out of it for me because I'm building something for everybody. I'm not building something for a specific user persona. I'm building something for everybody on this, you know, goal of, you know, financial wellness and financial health. That's awesome. I, you know, it's really great to hear all the progress and I think more importantly, it's just exciting to hear where no, you're headed. I think it's fantastic. And I think as people come in and start to make small investments, younger people, people that have not invested before, I think they almost gain financial literacy through the process of acquiring assets under, under management with, with a bundle process. So I, I think you're also breeding financial literacy without maybe that being your initial intention. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, we, Education is a, is a huge part of what we do. Um, you know, we've focused on that since the beginning. Um, and one of the things that I love is, you know, uh, we get, you know, I would say a couple hundred support tickets a day. Um, and a lot of it is like, Hey, you know, how does this work? You know, what happens? Like whenever <laughs> I sign up, what happens? What, 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 how does this help me? Um, and I love like, we've already, you know, we have some safe responses to reply to that, but I love being able to tell them like, Hey, look, this is exactly what's going to happen over the course of time. You can expect this um, and we'll be here to watch you and, you know, cheer you on as you're investing. So what's the best place for folks to go to learn more about bundle, to sign up for it, sure. where direct people in the right direction, please. Sure. Yeah. We are on uh, the iOS and Google play store. Just type in bundle B U N D I L. Um, the website is enjoybundle.com. Um, and then at bundle app is almost, you know, every social media possible, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Crunchbase, you know, 
whatever you want. Uh, if you type in bundle app, it'll pop up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the best place to find us. Um, best place to sign up as well. Well, we know you're a busy guy. We appreciate you taking a little time to share the update and the lessons learned and the direction of the company. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of great stuff here for, uh, for entrepreneurs to take. Dimitri, you are wise beyond your years. I appreciate it, man. (laughs) We appreciate having you. Thank you so much. Yep. Yep. Thank you. All right. We're back. That was a really good interview. Great guy. Awesome Great story. Guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have three things. All right. I know you have a lot. Post. I've been looking at your notes. Don't look at my notes. <laughs> steal we my know, notes. By the way, we never look at each other's notes. We just fire off. So go to see if they're the same. What anyway, I have I have just three because I know you have a lot on there. But the first is he really, really understands his numbers. He watches his numbers. He uses his numbers. He's in the subscription business, Tom, so churn uh, and lifetime value of the client, things that are very, very important to him. So he watches those numbers very, very carefully. And I think that's critical, especially in a subscription business. Number two, he's keenly interested in the user experience. And we hear this over and over again with really successful entrepreneurs, businesses, and they're scaling rapidly. They really connect to the user and they're not afraid to ask the tough questions and understand how their product, their service is being perceived, how it's being used, uh, and they're very, very open to criticism. So the user experience being keenly interested in digging into that, I I thought was great. And then it it was apparent to me, I'm, I'm big on vision, I'm big on letting my imagination run wild. I've been able to do some very cool things in business, and I've had some mentors that helped me increase my vision over the years. But there's two parts of it. First is having that vision. He has a very, very clear vision of where he wants to take the organization. But I think the other part of that is selling it, explaining it, articulating it to stakeholders and anyone around you that that vision matters to. So he not only has a clear vision, but he articulates it very, very well. I always, I always enjoy doing these post games with you because you hear and, and take away different things than I do, and it's great that we're able to, to do this because you know I learn from you and you learn from me. And it's so it's just I love these discussions, you know, because I'm I'm hearing different things. Uh, monetizing your customers in a variety of ways, and it's not something that you do day one in business, but you know you have to start to think, okay. What other value can I provide? What other ways can we monetize this? You know, there's a lot of different ways to build a business. You know, Facebook could have said, look, we're going to start charging a dollar a month to use our service. Not saying it was the right idea, but they could become a subscription business. Right. They chose to go heavily into ads. You know, I know that they're dipping their toe in the, in the place of being kind of a marketplace where you can sell products. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, there's so many different ways from a strategy standpoint to monetize your loyal customers, but you need to be thinking about what do we do, what don't we do, what aligns with our brand, what doesn't align with our brand. Um, but if you're not thinking like that, you're probably leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, acquisition costs and getting that number down, um, you know, acquiring users is the name of the game. That's the quote I wrote down. Acquiring users is the name of the game. And it's 
True of a lot of business, right? I mean, you know, it's if you have a restaurant, you want people coming in the door. In our business, you know, we're looking for entrepreneurs that want to be in a tribe with other entrepreneurs, right? So getting the right people into your organization, into your business, um, into your app, whatever it might be, and using it. And then, of course, what's the lifetime value? How long are they staying? Um, how quickly are they leaving? And these are just so important to really pay attention to this stuff. And the really sharp entrepreneurs that we're talking to, um, they, they, they know these numbers and they're tracking these numbers. And I'd even argue they're obsessed with these numbers, which is a really good thing. Uh, he talked about understanding the hobbies of your customers because then you can figure out who the influencers are, right? So if you understand where your uh, customers spend time and what products they consume and what they watch on television, then you know who may be able to influence them. So who can you engage into some type of uh, campaign and use for advertising or just make pro bono spread the word uh, of what you're doing. Uh, in the last thing, you know, we talked about raising money. And, you know, if you're going to raise money, there's got to be a really, really clear path, right? We're raising money because we know exactly what we're going to use it for. And we know that there is a massive upside. And we know that if we you know, pour more gas on this fire that we've created, but if not then don't, don't raise it, right? And we've seen that. Yeah, and you know, we, we see, I mean, we see a lot, right? So we see people that are trying to raise money way too early. And they're really not raising And if you money. ask them, if you poke at them and test them, what are you going to use that money for? A lot of times you'll get what I call, uh, jokingly, the Italian salute of to shrug their shoulders. They don't know. And it's, it's crazy to think about uh, friends and family raise, uh, Series A raise, and... and with, with no clear go-to-market plan and budget for the money you raise. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so that's why we talk about, you know, if you're going to go down that path, really understand what you're doing. Another thing that, you know, I find interesting, too, is um, when people are trying to raise money, and again, whether it's friends, families, and suckers, or it's, uh, you know, through uh, some more traditional means, but have you proven the concept? You know, have you, are people paying for this? So, you know, you could say, oh, I've got the greatest idea in the world. Okay, who's paying for it? Well, they're going to pay for it. You just don't know. You know, you just never know in business. You have an idea for a product or a service, you know, and you may think it's great. You may think people are going to want it. But until they have actually said, look, I'm, I'm going to take a dollar out of my pocket and I'm going to hand it to you, until they've done that, and, and more importantly, I, I don't, someone that you don't know, right? Right? That you not have your, no relationship with. Betty. Yeah. So <laughs> until until someone other than Aunt Betty has taken a dollar out of their pocket and given it to you, you don't have a business. You, you don't know that there's a product market fit, and you may not even even when you know there's a product market fit, you have to know that persona, that avatar, so well that you can unpack it and find it in our digital landscape. So Dimitri's great. We love the interview. And we'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. That was my radio voice.